And now, The Travel Show with Arthur and Pauline Fromer. Your chance to talk to the publishers of the nation's best-selling travel guide series. Whether your travel destination is around your corner or any corner of the world, the Fromers will help you get the most out of your travel experience and save you money at the same time. And now, Arthur and Pauline Fromer. And this is the travel show in which we talk about vacations. Welcome. I'm Arthur Fromer. And I'm Pauline Fromer. And in the time ahead, we're going to be discussing travel. And that's a conversation you can get in on. We actually have had many guests who have written to me at FromerTravelShow at Yahoo.com. Sometimes these are travelers with questions. Sometimes these are folks in the travel industry. But even if you don't want to be on the show, we hope that you'll visit with us the rest of the week. The best way to do that is our website, Fromers.com. It's a labor of love. We're very proud of it. We're keeping up with all of the changing news there that concerns travelers or would-be travelers or someday would-be travelers. Uh, We also have really fun articles that will help you escape into the world of travel and culture and cuisine and all of the good things that many of us are missing right now. We're taping this in April. As well, we're on social media. Please follow us. Use the word Fromers, F-R-O-M-M-E-R-S, at Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, and Twitter. Now, because of coronavirus, we're doing this show a little differently. People who know the show know that we usually do a potpourri of different guests. We're switching that up. Instead, we are talking to some of the greatest travelers, travel writers, travel presenters uh, in the world today. And our next guest is all three of those things. His name is Phil Cousineau. He is probably most famous, well, maybe not, but very famous for his seminal book, which was called The Art of Pilgrimage. He's actually written 35 books, including Stoking the Creative Fires, Once and Future Myths, The Hero's Journey, Woodcatcher, The Painted World, The Oldest Story in the World, and more. And you may recognize his face because he is the co-writer and co-host of Global Spirit, which is on PBS and Link TV. Phil, such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much for appearing. Well, how fun can it be to talk about travel with great travelers such as you and your father? (laughs) Oh, well, thank you so much. Well, you you made your mark originally talking about a very specific type of travel. And let me start the show by saying we are not expecting anybody to go out and buy an airplane ticket right now. It's April as we're taping this. We know that you need to be sheltering in place, but we can still dream about travel for the future. And Phil, you've always talked about an especially meaningful type of travel, which is pilgrimages. How do you define the word pilgrimage or pilgrim? Well, thank you for asking. I've been traveling since I was a kid. I grew up in, born in South Carolina in an army hospital, raised (laughs) in Detroit. And I had a very unusual childhood in the sense that our television broke when I was eight or nine years old. My father spent 10 minutes trying to fix it, couldn't, kicked it down the stairs into the basement and said, (laughs) we're going to read books out loud together as a family, which is what we did. We read Homer. We read Grimm's fairy tales. We read Mark Twain. 
But I, as I realized later, as I, as I started writing about travel, he had a wonderful pedagogy. Remember that old Greek word, a teaching style, which was we would read a book together as a family out loud, page by page, and then we would go somewhere that helped bring the book alive. So when we read Moby Dick, we actually got into the old Ford station wagon in Detroit and drove all the way to New Bedford, Massachusetts, wow. to see the, the the place where Melville wrote the opening pages about "Call Me Ishmael." We read the Iliad, and then there was a, in, an art exhibition in the Toledo Art Museum on Greek armor, and my dad took us there. And that impulse goes all the way back to the origins of travel. The original notion of the seven wonders of the ancient world wasn't really the word wonder. It was sights. That's the original word in Greek was sights. And this, so the original list was for people who were already traveling in the 5th and 4th century BC to go. The the notion was these are the things that should be seen before you die. Where have we heard that before? (laughs) (laughs) Right. So my entire youth was spent reading and traveling, read and travel, read and travel. And the impulse then to see things with your own eyes. I think is at the heart of travel. You hear a story. Somebody's excited about a place. They tell you, you read about it, you see a movie about it, and then there comes the impulse to read, to see the place for yourself. But uh, so can I, I was ask, traveling can I just all these years. Sure. Interrupt then, very, very quickly. Please, please. Mm-hmm. In the fourth and fifth century, how would people have known what sites to see? Were there travel books? There were scrolls before the books. The first actual travel book was in the second century by Pausanias. But this list was passed all around ancient the ancient Greek Empire. So any reasonably educated person would have known about these seven famous sites that you should see and inspired people to get on ships, to get on horseback and actually see these places. So I read about, I learned about this through my father growing up and I've always loved that notion that there are wonders, there are marvels that we should see while we still can. And and if we can fast forward to 1997, when I've been a documentary filmmaker uh, writing many, many travel articles and so on. And I saw one Sunday morning in the travel section of the New York Times, a little bullet piece, as we used to say, that predicted by the year 2000. So that was only three years away. The prediction was by the year 2000, travel would overcome the armaments industry as the number one business in the world. This was kind of the the prediction of turn swords into plowshares from the Old Testament. Do you remember huh. that? Yeah. And and then I read a little bit more. I, I Googled and so and so, and I found out that one of the huge contributions to the surge in travel was the revival of pilgrimage. In, in all three major religions, people were taking more pilgrimages than at any time since the Middle Ages. But then on top of that, and that's where the real inspiration for my book comes in, The Art of Pilgrimage, that secular pilgrimage was also surging. And people, let's say, saying, go to Dublin and walk in the footsteps of James Joyce, were, these trips were being advertised as literary pilgrimages. There were sites, uh, Douglas Adams, if you remember... The, uh, the science fiction writer wrote a book about taking pilgrimages to see the last of certain kinds of animals in Africa while we can see them. Mm, so wow. I began to explore this as a metaphor so that the pilgrimage 
It was the journey you can't, can't take, to paraphrase William Saroyan, who described a writer as <laughs> someone who writes, who can't, can't write. Right. So at a certain crossroad, a vacation isn't enough. Entertainment, tourism isn't enough. It's not for everybody, but the pilgrimage is the journey that you need to make at a certain crossroad because you can't get certain answers at home. But Why am can- I here? Can it Mm -hmm. be a pilgrimage if it's secular? Isn't a pilgrimage by its very definition something that's religious? Nope, no. You you go all the way back into the the word itself. Pilgrim comes from an old word, which paragrum, which means to walk, to walk through the fields. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Get off the bus. Get off a plane, get off the boat, and take a walk somewhere. So all of the early associations, including going to the seven wonders of the ancient world and then the modern world, was that you were taking a journey to a place that you deeply, profoundly respected. So one of the the most famous pilgrimages in antiquity was to the tomb, (laughs) fasten your seatbelts, of Virgil. The great huh. Roman writer. Within yeah. hours, we have documentation for this. When within hours, within days of him dying in Rome, people were going to the the ramshackle house where he actually died. So this impulse to walk in the footsteps of either a spiritual idea or a cultural idea, or even a family affair. I've had people tell me, I just took a pilgrimage to the village where my family came from, and they hadn't even known I'd I'd written a book about pilgrimage. The word has been around for a few thousand years to describe the journey that brings profound meaning rather than just escapism or distraction. So... If somebody (laughs) that's a big chunk of thoughts, yeah. Uh, So if somebody wants to take a pilgrimage, Mm -hmm. do they have to prepare themselves in a different way than they would for just say a golf vacation or you know a trip to the beach? That's that's a great question, and I think it depends in the end on someone's sensibilities. So. Often I have joked that I discovered I was an accidental pilgrim <laughs> along the lines of the accidental tourist. If you <laughs> right. read the book in the movie yeah. years ago, so that when I, I grabbed onto this wonderful metaphor of meaningful, profoundly meaningful travel, I looked back over my shoulder, so to speak, and I realized, oh, my God, I went out of my way to go to, go to the house of Anna Akhmatova, the great Russian poet in St. Petersburg. That's a literary pilgrimage. Right. I went to Shart, of course, that, that would be religious. But when I was in uh, Israel, I walked 29 miles with a, a group of kibbutzniks to go to Jerusalem and and uh, and pray at the Wailing Wall. I've been on pilgrimages and hadn't quite known it. Well, hold on. I need you to hold now, that thought. Hold that yeah, thought. Because sure, we have to take sure. our first commercial break. There we go. Sure. We will be right back with more with Phil Cousineau. Welcome back to the Fromer Travel Show. Uh, if you listened to the first segment, you heard that we have 
Phil Cousineau on the line. He is the author of The Art of Pilgrimage, The Hero's Journey, Woodcatcher. He is also the host of Global Spirit on PBS. And I, I, I think I interrupted you at a terrible moment. Mm. So you were take, telling <laughs> us about how you had accidentally taken a lot of pilgrimages already before you ever used the word for it, correct? Yes, and many people approached me in the same way. Was I a pilgrim on the site? And, and of course, you don't need to label yourself to be bona fide. However, where, where I've come to sit on this after the book has been out 20-plus years and in many, many different translations around the world is this. Not everybody can travel three times a year or even every year. For many people that I find who take my tours, because I lead art and literary tours as well, you might have two or three significant journeys in your life. And then it comes down to one. You may be t- traveling in honor of somebody or your parents or somebody. And in that sense, if time is short, and and when isn't it, right? Sure, yeah. Then there is a way, I believe, to prepare. So I come up with a, a kind of a model in my book, The Art of Pilgrimage, which slips very easily into Campbell's notion of the hero journey without being heroic. Joseph Campbell, I, so for those who are right. tuning in. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. My, <laughs> sure. my mentor, the great scholar of mythology, he described the hero journey as the, the, the journey in which the, the, the hero or the heroine is deeply restless and needs to go on a journey somewhere to find a treasure of some kind, usually wisdom, by the way, that can't be found at home. Hmm. So to get to some kind of significant journey, to have not just fun, but some kind of meaning that's gleaned from a journey, I think it's important to prepare. And that's what the book is about. It's important to find a mentor, maybe to read a book. Maybe Arthur Frommer's Guide to Paris could help. (laughs) (laughs) We we would agree with that. (laughs) Right. Or what I've always uh, believed was call an elder. For many years, I called my grandfather, uh, Charlemagne Cousineau, when he was still alive. What a wonderful Uh, name. Yeah, Charlemagne, Charlemagne, (laughs) or uh, travelers that I really respected. For many years, I I would call or email Pico Iyer, one of our great travel writers, Hmm. and discuss a place that I was about to go that I know he had been to. So in this sense, it helps to orient, to center our travels. And it's also a humbling. It's a humbling device to say, "Mm -hmm." Before we leave that, what if people don't have great travelers or adventurers in their Mm -hmm. lives? Mm -hmm. What if they're the first in their generation to have this impulse or the first in their families, really? Read, read, read. Somebody has been where you're about to go. (laughs) Yeah. And we are blessed with a plethora of magnificent travel books. Um, that that's what I suggest. Yes, absolutely. Just for anybody who's tuning in late, we are speaking with Phil Cousineau, who is the author of The Art of Pilgrimage, Stoking the Creative Fires, The Hero's Journey, and is also the host of Global Spirit, which you can watch on PBS. So I interrupted you. So you first speak with an elder, you read, 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 and then what else is part of your preparations to make sure that your journey is as meaningful as you hope it will be? Take a, a notebook, 
Mm. Uh, small spiral notebooks. They don't have to be $100 leather journals. You can if you can afford that, but some kind of recording device. I've even met uh, people who are far more oriented to the hearing world and the seeing world. So they, they bring audio and they'll record sounds around the world. Any kind of meditative device that helps you slow down, take a breath and focus more clearly will definitely help. But to play devil's advocate, I feel like sure, a lot sure. of people go around the world now <clears throat> snapping photos and that that mm-hmm. can sometimes be a barrier between themselves and the place because it's all about well, how am I going to feed my social media? How am I going to capture this rather than how am I going to experience this? How, how, how do you draw the line between that type of interaction with the place and one that really brings you into it more deeply? To me, that's the difference between tourism and travel and deep, deep travel. Uh, Tourism is a word that hasn't been around that long. My etymological research traces it back to Thomas Cook of Thomas Cook Travelers Checks and and the travel business where he advertised somewhere in the 1840s to take a group from Birmingham, England in the north of the UK down to London, I believe it got down to uh, Kew Gardens, and then bring them back again. And as he said in his original travel announcement, this will be a tour, which means a circle, right? And I will take you down to London, and I will bring you back on the train so that we can go to see this flower show, something like that. And the key in the very first travel poster that I can track down is a line at the very bottom of the poster, no surprises guaranteed. <laughs> Isn't wow. that hilarious? Yeah, terrible. What if we, if we put that... <laughs> If we put that into context, though, it sounds so laughable years later because the real travel, for those of us who would love it, is the surprise, right? <laughs> That's right. a surprise. But he's writing right at a point that Anthony Burgess describes in his wonderful book on the Grand Tour, which is up until around the mid-19th century, many, many travelers that left home never returned home. Travel was so dangerous until the mid-19th century because footpads, as they used to call them, thieves, would know that a traveler from abroad in strange clothes and so on probably had money. Mm. So you were always eyeballed by by thieves, but also... uh, Original travelers' inns were dangerous. Food was dangerous and so on. So when Thomas Cook says, I will get you to London and home again, he means nobody is going to rob you. Nobody is going to poison your your food on my trip. And so danger is a big part of it. But right. the thrill, the thrill, the vibration of a real adventure comes with some kind of risk. And the deep travel to me is similar to the impulse for a writer, a photographer, uh, a painter, a singer, anybody in the arts in which the focus is on the world and other people and not yourself. Okay, we have to take another quick break. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, we will be right back.
You're listening to The Travel Show, and what a show it is today, because as our guest, we have Phil Cousineau. Uh, He is the host of Global Spirit, which is a terrific show on PBS and on Link TV. Uh, He's also a well-known writer. He has written books like The Art of Pilgrimage, Stoking the Creative Fires, The Oldest Story in the World, The Book of Roads, The Accidental Aphorist. So when we left, we were talking about the difference between tourism and travel, that it, that it, that travel is a deeper thing. It's not about you, but about what you're seeing. But, uh, you know, we're human beings. We have egos. Probably everybody hopes to be affected by travel. They hope that it will shape them in some way, right? So there has to be some portion of you that's brought into the journey, don't you think, Phil? And that's what the notebook's for, to uh. reflect on this. There's The great German poet Novalis has a wonderful line where he says, the soul is there, but in the overlap between the inner and the outer world. And I think that is a gorgeous metaphor for great travel, where you are equally interested in the outside world, the cult, the new culture you're visiting, and the people you can encounter as you are with your own interior life. The problem with selfies is that the focus is solely on the self. Right. Right. And, of course, we all want memories. And these days, we want people to know, for, <laughs> yeah. for whatever reason, where people, we want them to know where we're eating, who we're seeing, and so on. But the more time we spend there, the less we're going to have a focus on the outside world. Hmm. Um, we, this isn't talked about too often, but if you think about the whole mythology, and I mean that in every sense of the word mythology, the founding story, the story that gives you force and cohesion of the travel poster that we've had mm. since Thomas Cook, that gives us a great idea about what travel means for most people. And that is happiness. Mm. Uh, Baudelaire once wrote in, in a wonderful poem, when shall we set sail for happiness? He was writing about his travels in North mm. Africa and in the south of France. And I've traveled all over the world. I lead tours. I make movies, documentary films all around the world. And this is the human element that I find everywhere. People want beauty. They want culture. They want some kind of encounter. And at the deep end of it is the promise of some kind of happiness. Sure. Maybe that you're not having at home. And that's where I feel what Ray Carver called the tenderness comes in, the tenderness of art, the tenderness of exploration and travel. We are speaking with Phil Cousineau, who is the author of many books, about 35, actually. Probably one of the most famous is The Art of Pilgrimage. He is also host of Global Spirit, which you can watch on PBS and Link TV. And you were talking about the fact that you lead tours. Are there certain destinations that you return to over and over again because you find that the happiness quotient is higher or that they are more appropriate for this type of deep travel. Beautiful. Thank you for asking that. Ireland and Greece, Ireland and Greece (laughs) over and over. I've been leading groups since uh, 1984 when 
a friend of mine, Keith Thompson, told me that the poet Robert Bly and the storyteller Joy Tintinelli were organizing a tour to Ireland, but they had never been there. So, Phil, you've lived there. Could you take a group? And the minute I got off the plane in Ireland, which I loved, my grandmother was from there and so on, and I began telling stories about the old stone sites. And I took the group on a walking tour of James Joyce's Ulysses around Dublin. I knew this was a gig I could do the rest of my life, <laughs> partly because it, you get paid to travel, which is a great gig, right? Absolutely. But also, every one of the, the tours, art and literary tours that I've organized, has been an opportunity for me to learn all over again. Hmm. So I took a group to Cuba a couple of years ago, and I spent a year researching Cuba so that I could help people find what you might call arguably the soul of a, of a country. It was also nostalgic in the sense that my father in high school worked in the clubs, the Copacabana in, in, in Havana when he was a kid. Wow. And I had photographs of him in all white jackets serving the gangsters in the, <laughs> the, the gangster clubs of, of Havana. So I took my son there for his 21st birthday. Why do you love something like this? Because as a filmmaker or as a tour guide, you have a kind of license to get to the core of a place more quickly than other people. If I'm writing or filming about a place, I can approach just about anybody and say, do you have five minutes for an interview? Do you have 10 minutes? Right. And what I would ask in that capacity is what you would ask as a travel book writer <coughs> is, where is the real thing? Hmm. Not the veneer, not right. the superficial, not the travel poster, but the real thing. And over and over again, what, what I hear from people virtually all around the world is, this is where the best food is. This is where the music is. This is where the culture is. And these are all metaphors for the soul of a place. Right, right. We are speaking with Phil Cousineau. Uh, you may recognize his voice if you watch him on Global Spirit, which is heard on PBS and Link TV. He's also the author of 35 or so books on travel, including The Hero's Journey, The Art of Pilgrimage, Stoking the Creative Fires, Once and Future Myths. We have to take another short break, uh, but please don't turn that dial. And let me remind everybody, you're listening to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer. Dad's on the line, too. And uh, we hope you'll visit us during the week at Fromers.com. We hope you'll pick up Fromers guidebooks because one day soon we all will be traveling again. Maybe not right now, but someday soon. Don't turn that dial. We'll be back with more with Phil Cousineau. Welcome back to The Travel Show. I'm Pauline Fromer here with my father, Arthur Fromer. And also on the line is Phil Cousineau. You know him if you watch PBS. He's the host of Global Spirit there. It's also on Link TV. He's also a, a very, very wonderful writer, a writer of poetry, a writer of travel guides or books, including The Art of Pilgrimage, The Hero's Journey, and more. Phil, we were discussing the tours you led, and you said you go 
over and over to Ireland and to Greece. I'm often asked where one should go in Greece, and it seems for most travelers to be a decision between the Greek islands and the Peloponnese. Which do you think is richer? <laughs> well, that's, that's a good question. Um, I love the, the Peloponnese because I take groups to Delphi, which is one of the great sites in in the world because of the association with the Oracle, but also Mycenae because of the Trojan War, uh, Epidaurus, which evokes Henry Miller, who wrote one of the great travel books of all time, The Colossus of Marusi. And then the Greek islands just recently took me many, many years, but I finally got my way to Ithaca because mm. often I use the Odyssey itself as the, the thread ah. for my teaching there. And this is a, a kind of literary conceit that I try to use whenever I'm traveling. So I took a group solely to Crete last year and I used Nikos Kazantzakis of Zorba the Greek fame as the thread. It's a way to come back to one theme every day, which I think is a good mnemonic device. Why are we here? You follow one writer, one story, a book, a film, uh, an historical event, and it it proves to be a kind of a Velcro effect, if you will, (laughs) so that the stories you tell, the music that you play, it hears because you've got that one easily remembered thread through a place. Wow. So I, I had a tour all, all lined up for October in, in Greece in the footsteps of Odysseus and Penelope mm. because so many wonderful women are rewriting or they're using the mythopoetic approach with the Odyssey to focus more on the women and the goddesses. Uh, let's hope that the travel bans all list so that I can do that. But I'm, I'm so. glad that you keep, you keep talking okay, about... Very quickly, if people wanted yeah, to book please, that please. tour, how would they sure. find that tour? <laughs> You go to either my website or Sacred Earth Journeys out of uh, Vancouver, British Columbia in Canada. I've been working with Helen Tomei there for many years, and let's hope that happens. I'm I'm leading that tour and then a writer's retreat on Hydra, the beautiful island of Hydra later, which is where Lawrence Durrell wrote, Henry Miller um, Patrick wow. Firmer, many of our great travel writers. Yeah. We're speaking with Phil Cousineau, who is the host on PBS of Global Spirit. And Global Spirit, as we're all stuck at home, this is a wonderful <laughs> way to kind of broaden your horizons a little bit, at least virtually. So tell us about some of the, the what people will see if they watch Global Spirit. Yes, thank you. I was in- invited to work on this program with uh, Stephen Olson, who was an old uh, documentary filmmaker, a wonderful writer, and he wanted to do for culture what Link TV had been doing for politics for many years, and and that is bring in points of view and characters that the American, our American audience probably would not see otherwise. So the conceit on Global Spirit is that we bring two, sometimes three guests in from different corners of the world, very different, often have not met each other, to spark a new kind of conversation. So, for example, we have a show on on the creative impulse, art itself. Hmm. Well, rather than having two more white guys from New York <laughs> and Los Angeles talking yada yada, instead, for a show like that, we have a Tibetan Lama who actually paints and makes photographs hmm. in conversation with a Guatemalan sculptress. Wow. 
and you listen to them and what uh, remember the great travel line by mark twain travel is the death of prejudice is fatal to bigotry prejudice and (laughs) closed-mindedness i think it is yeah yeah it's idealistic but uh on the surface it seems great you travel and you see what you have in common with people more than what you have separate with them and that's what we try to do on global spirit we have people from different cultures talking on a theme that is familiar but in refreshing ways now, I know it so, can be sometimes difficult mm-hmm. on PBS to know when a show mm-hmm. is on. So how do yeah. how do people, because it's uh, shows are on in different mm-hmm. times and days of the weeks in different markets. How, how do people find that if they want to watch it? Thank you for asking. It's globalspirit.com. Our shows are, are what they call in rotations. So 10 shows might be shown at a time and then go on hiatus for a, a year or six months. And then they're back. 13 new shows. The most recent show we did was with Carlos and Cindy Santana, oh. which was on um, the relationship. Is, it sounds uh, curious, but it worked out beautifully. The relationship between love and music. Ah, how wonderful. Uh, so we have to take it off the ground for that one. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, we got to take one last break and then we will be right back. So don't turn that dial. You're listening to the Fromer Travel Show. Welcome back to the Fromer Travel Show. It, it feels odd to be doing a travel show in this time when we are all confined to our homes, when our wings are clipped, uh, which is why we've been doing a series talking with great travelers, travel writers, travel presenters. Phil Cousineau, as I said at the start, is all three. Phil, why do you think that why do you think travel is important? How will it help us get over this strange, strange time when we're finally allowed out of our homes again? Thank you for asking that. Pauline. We've got about My three God. minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Um, a, a couple of things. One. There's a great documentary about Eugene O'Neill and Jason Robards is talking about the power of theater And he says, my great friend Ralph Richardson once told me we need the theater because we need to dream. Human beings need to dream. And I think that is the function of travel, the anticipation of the journey, the ability to have our dreaming capacity, our imagination stimulated by new sights and smells is vitally important for us to grow as human beings. rather than stay stagnant. So even in this time when we are not allowed to travel as we once did, it is a time to regroup and think, how many times do I get to travel again? Where should I go? Maybe I shouldn't be so flipped. Hmm. Maybe I shouldn't just go to so-called famous places. Where does my soul, my spirit, my life, where do I need to go? It's a time to review our old photographs, our old stories, our old notebooks. And then one recommendation I would have once we finally get back on the road, Pauline, is what I've come to think of as the five-sense approach to travel. When we're in our hotel rooms, our hostels in the morning, our tents, if we're in the middle of the Amazon jungle, For that day, think about the way that we can encounter the world through all 
five senses. This is like going through life, going through our travels as a poet or a photographer or a filmmaker. Smell. Are you really smelling? Are you touching? Are you allowed to touch? I was on Ithaca just a, a year ago. I was able to touch the so-called palace of Odysseus and Penelope. Wow. How often do we touch, smell, taste, and speak? I think of it as the five sense approach. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. Well, it's been a delight having you on. Uh, for anybody tuning in very late, uh, we've been speaking with Phil <laughs> Cousineau, who is the author of The Art of Pilgrimage, The Hero's Journey, many other books. He is also the host of Global Spirit. And I am Pauline Fromer, here with my father, Arthur Fromer. You've been listening to the Fromer Travel Show for this hour. We thank you so much for listening. Bon voyage. Bon voyage. 